In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, it's listener topic, open discussion. Let's get down to business. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is me, Quinn C. And this is the place to be. That's why I wasn't a rapper. In the Moran Family Studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Honey, say what's up. What's up? There you go. What's up? <laughs> anyway, here we go. Let's talk about. Another listener topic, and uh, I just made an executive decision to make these topics priority. So we're going to put them out there. Thanks for agreeing with uh, this, agreeing to this with me, honey, and for us to do this on the show, and uh, really bring some of these emails and the customer topics. It seems like things are pretty calm off mic until we start recording again and then as soon as we start recording there's an autism flare up within our it's like a solar flare it mm. just it happens out there so i'm going to do my best not to be distracted about that or go absolute ape crap over it work hard mm-hmm. I, sometimes i wish i i had a dirty mouth cuz ape crap is not nearly as funny as the other version <laughs> that's what you have me for yeah Okay, so here we go. Don't forget, you two um, can uh, get your email in, get it read. I don't read all the, I don't bring all the emails to the table that come in, but the, the ones that I, I truly believe that we can have an effect on, um, we do our best to kind of represent them in order to help you. So um, otherwise, we'll email back and forth, but if I think it's something that's going to help the group, then I want to make sure that I get that done. Um, and with that being said, we're going to go into this other topic. These are how do I's, how do I's, how do I's, why are you looking at me that way? I'm just listening to you. Yeah. I'm having a good, uh, coffee rush here. So ah. no, um, don't forget the email, which is what I started saying, and then I got on a rabbit trail because I started having some fun. Jeannie at MVSMpodcast.com. That's J-E-A-N-N-E at MVSMpodcast.com. Or Quincy, Q-U-I-N-C-Y, at MVSMpodcast.com. And what is that? That, my friends, is MVSM, which is man versus marriage. Just kind of shorten up the email address for you. We used to use coach and man versus marriage podcast.com, but it was a lot. So here we go. Question from our listener. How do I make her feel valued? How do I make her feel loved? How do I make her feel wanted? Not just to think it because I said it. How do I make her feel confidently that we are best friends how do i make her feel her in our family like her and our children that they are the most important thing in the world to me okay i'm gonna start with this one and then i you look like you got something to say nope go ahead don't forget your thought i won't okay men first on this one mm-hmm. here we go freaking beefcake how do i make her feel valued I would ask her this question. What makes you feel valuable? How do I make her feel loved? I would, again, ask this. And look, I'm Jeannie can vouch for this. I'm not being a smart A-double-S here. I'm, I'm, what I'm simply doing is saying this would be my approach. How do I make her feel loved? What makes you feel loved? We're, we're going to go through this exercise. Okay, I just decided. I want another cup of coffee. I love coffee. Um, how do I make her feel wanted? To me, 
one of the ultimate things in my life is for you, Jeannie Moran, for me to feel like you want me. Mm-hmm. Like, like you want me. Not just sexually, which I want you to want me. That's a song. I want you to want me all the time. Okay, when it comes to sex. Let's establish that. Oh, sorry. When it comes okay, to we're not, we don't have an issue there. I know, but I'm just making this... <laughs> Technical difficulty. <laughs> it's like ding ling ling ling. <laughs> He's talking about the microphone, not the sex. Right. But I do want to establish that again. When it comes to sex, I want you to want me. And we, Jeannie and I, have kind of gotten into semantics of want versus need. I think it's more compelling to say, I want you. Jeannie feels like it's more impactful and meaningful to say, you need me. Well, because there's a difference. Wanting me is being in the mood and that may not be reciprocated at the moment. You may want sex and want me physically, but I may not be there emotionally. You needing me is very, very different because now this is a place that only I can fill. And if I'm not in the mood for it, it shifts something inside of me to say, okay, drop whatever I need to put myself in the position of giving myself to you because you need me rather than if, if you want me, that's usually when things are like fun and playful and, you know, obviously it leads to sex, but it's a very different type of connection because it's playful and we're both in it and we're having a good time. If it's something that you need, it's more, I'm more focused on making sure that you're getting the connection that you need more so than getting an orgasm out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I, it, I mean, it's still both both account. I'm not discrediting no, either no, one, no, I understand but there is that. a definite difference between the two because needing that connection means that there is something going on that you need to be assured that we're okay and our connection is solid. That's very very different for me. But when you're talking to me and it's like, honey, I need you. It's like, of course, I'm going to show up. But if True. you say, honey, I want you, oh, hell, watch out. <laughs> because that, it just... its Yeah, it's a confidence booster for you, too. But the language, whatever it is, it's just terminology. I think they both ultimately kind of mean the same thing. But to me, a want is like, ah, crap, I need to pay the bills. Or I want to take you on a date. One of those needs is like, well, I, crap, I got to do this. I mean, I need to. But wanting is like, I'm choosing. That, that's just but where see, I But see, that's stand. how we don't think the same. I know. I know. That's the, that's the point I'm making. So with that, how do I make her feel wanted? What makes her feel wanted? And then this is the part that, that concerns me a little bit. And it doesn't concern me in an insulting way. It, it concerns me because I can relate. I can relate in this sense. Um, not just to think these things because I said it. But what value, A, do you as a dude put on your words? But I, I, the, when I say things, I say them with the intent of like, I say what I mean. Yeah, you're I mean true to your I word. Saying. And th- I, I mean what I say. So when I'm telling somebody something, it's because I mean it Mm -hmm. deeply. When I tell people X, Y, or Z, I've now created like this verbal contract with myself that I want to do this and that I will do this. And somehow over the course of these last 10 years or so, when I'm telling you that I love you, or whatever it is, we've kind of established, somehow we've established that those words hold weight. Mm-hmm. There, There is power in our words. And it's interesting because there, there was a time where it's like, the movies like make it, I mean, this is kind of goofy, but the movies kind of make it to where the guy has to be like the mind reader and then he's got to say all these romantic things and he's got to do it by chance because if he's doing it because this is what the lady said she wants, it's like less authentic or it doesn't mean as much or whatever romanticized thing that is supposed to be. My opinion, 
is give me the playbook. Tell me what you like. Tell me what makes you feel these ways. Help me get to know you better so that I can be the things, I can do the things that make you feel valued and loved and wanted. That way, when I say them, when I say these things, you know the weight of my words. They mean something. When I back them up with actions, they mean something. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't want my version of what makes you feel valued. I want your version of what makes you feel valued. According to Rita, nine times out of 10, when we don't really know what the other person's love language or needs are, we will do for them what we want someone to do for us. So I would be speaking to you in my love language, not yours. Yeah. And in doing that, if what my top needs are, are not your top needs, then to you, I'm just doing things frivolously. There's no intention behind it. There's no meaning behind it. It's just kind of throwing stuff out there because it's what I know to do. Yeah. Whereas if I know what your needs are, I know what your wants are, and I'm intentionally catering to that because I know this is what makes you feel a certain way or this is what reassures you in a certain way, that means more to you because it's coming to you in a way that you, you, I listened, I took for, I took everything that you gave me and I listened. I did what you asked me to do. I met the expectation. I'm fulfilling the need. If I'm giving you what I need, I'm not meeting yours. I'm meeting mine. Right. And, and that, I think that's a really, just a really, really articulate way to frame this out. And Bill used to say this, the golden rule is treat others how you want to be treated. But in marriage, treat others how how they they want to be be treated. treated. That's what you do. And I mean, that can be abused. That can be, you know, contorted in such a way where it's not healthy. But if I say, honey, I like it when X, Y, Z and it makes me feel special. Let's use something really dumb, but something that matters to me. Dinner. Dinner. That's it. Winner, winner, winner. Quincy's dinner. For whatever reason, um, it's not like Jeannie doesn't have anything going on in her life. Oh, wait, she does a lot. And so there, are, from time to time, things kind of get messed up and they get things get misconstrued and maybe... My hunk of beef doesn't get taken out of the freezer or whatever, and it comes up to time, and it's one of those days where it's supposed to be, I'm not fasting, I'm going to eat, and there's nothing out for me for dinner. I get butt hurt. I get butt hurt, and why? It And it's not true. I just feel like, well, crap, I didn't matter to anybody today. I know that's not true. What Whatever it was, whether you were distracted or something came up or... Maybe you asked me to take it out and I just forgot, no matter what it is. Or you asked one of the kids to take it out and they forgot. They did it late. Any of that. It it just, we've talked about this and we discussed it, matter of fact, probably yesterday. Um, and it's like when I come home and we can have dinner together, it's for some reason it makes me feel like I matter when my when my dinner is done. Like when it's made for me. I just greatly appreciate it. It's not that I I can't cook it. It's not that I won't take care of it if you ask me to. I think it's more about the fact that you know how much is in my day and how many different things I'm doing. And the fact that I took the time to consider you and what you needed. And I went and took care of it for you. It shows that you are a priority in my day. And it sounds silly maybe to some people because, you know, of course, if your wife cooks dinner every night, your wife cooks dinner every night. Quincy does not eat what everybody else in this house eats. This is a special thing that you do because of your medical situation. So for me to take that time to prioritize that for you, it just lets you know you're a priority to me. I thought about you. I cared enough to stop what I was doing to make sure that I had what you needed. Now, and it's not always me that cooks it. Sometimes it's one of the kids. But it's just the fact that 
there are 11 people in this house. And to do something intentional for one person means something. To do something intentional for you shows your priority. That's something that's important to me. I like knowing that I'm a priority to you. So knowing that we take the time out to do those things, it's a big deal. It's something small, but it's something small that says a lot. Coming home and giving me the first hug and kiss means a lot because it shows the kids that I am number one. And it's not because I'm better than. It is simply when you guys grow up and go on with your life, this is the person I'm spending the rest of my life with. So this will never change. This is always going to be number one. And they accept that. It's a game and it's a joke to them, but they accept that. And now they look for that in their own relationships with people as who's going to put me as a priority. Who's going to count me above all else because that's what it's supposed to be. And, and you know, it could be taken in such a way. Like when I come home, some of the kids, like we've talked about, they try to sucker me. Some of them will even against my will, they will (laughs) hug me. (laughs) <laughs> Even though I'm telling them, mom gets the first hug. Anissa, sometimes she just does not care. And, um, you know, but they'll try to sucker me into it. Sometimes, like she said, it's a game. But she said that this makes her feel special. It makes her feel like a priority. You said that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I do it. I don't think it devalues it because you told me it's what you needed and wanted. Mm-hmm. It actually should reinforce that I'm doing this on purpose. I'm doing it because it's what you want to, it's what you need for Jeannie's language. It's what you need to feel this way. Well, take it a step further. If you know me better than anybody else, if I'm having a rough time, you will notice immediately, even if I don't say anything, you know, the body language, you Mm -hmm. know, the, the intensity that I have, there are certain things about me that you know more than anybody else. And you'll come in and step in and tell the kids, okay, everybody needs to give her some space. Mom needs to go do this. Or you'll come in and ask me, where's your heart and how do I, how do I help with this? What's going on? And it's not a matter of expecting you to mind read. It's simply you've learned over the years these certain behaviors, these certain signs or tells alert you that you need to step in. There's a need here that you need to step into. And that's, it's one of those things that we had to establish though, because when they were little, I mean, little people demand attention, whether you want them to or not. And it's not always, you know, malicious or anything. They're just little people. And I'm mom. Mom is the go-to for everything because we're mom. But, that can become overwhelming. That can become like, I don't have all the answers. I don't want to have all the answers. I got really famous for saying, I don't know. The kids would say, well, what are we going to, I don't know. Ask your dad. Well, dad won't be home till later. That's fine. You can ask your dad. I have no more answers. My tank is completely empty. My brain is done. I have nothing. It's not that they were being bad. I was just exhausted. Yeah. But we had to establish before I got to that point. And we had to come up with what do I need in those moments? What can you do to keep me from getting to the point of y'all need to give me 50 feet and just get away? (laughs) You know, it's not, it's nothing they did wrong. It is just simply emotionally and physically drained. But we've established with help and communication when the noise level is too high and I start, my anxiety starts ramping up. Sometimes I'm not quick to call on it or sometimes I try to and I just don't want to be rude because the kids are just having fun. They're not doing anything wrong. It's just too much for me. Quincy will step in and say, hey, hey, the noise level is getting too high for mom. We can all have fun and he'll address it. It seems subtle because it's something that I could do myself. But the fact that you step in and do it for me, when the kids hear dad say, mom needs you to do this or this is becoming too much for mom, they all stop. Because dad's taking the moment to say, mom's a priority. Mom's not okay with this right now. We can still have fun, but you need to relax a little bit and bring the noise level down. He's aware of my anxiety and what it does to me and how hard it is for me to control it sometimes. 
that's a big deal. To me, that is a big deal because that's one of those safety issues for me. I'm safe because even when I can't find the words to do it, sometimes you can step in and do it for me. It's not a weakness per se to lean on your spouse to let them do something for you that maybe you can't do for yourself in the moment. It was the same for you with your surgeries. There were a lot of things you couldn't do for yourself. And you hated that you had to have me help you. Mm -hmm. Not because you didn't want my help, but just because you didn't feel like you were yourself because you're supposed to be the strong person. You're supposed to take care of us. And here you were. I had to help take care of you. I didn't mind doing that at all. I wanted to do that for you. But that's what the marriage is supposed to be. This is a need that you have that I can step in and take care of. And it's no big deal for me to do it. Mm -hmm. It's something very, very simple. But after all was said and done, the amount of care that you required, we came out of that a very different married couple because we'd never had to do that for each other before. Right. Then it was just like, not a big deal, but it meant something to you that I was willing to do those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that explained right? Did I do that right? Uh, I'm... <laughs> I can't say you did it wrong. Okay. Well, if you understood it, then I'm good. If yeah. they don't understand it, email him. He'll explain. <laughs> you got your own email, okay? <laughs> email her. Um, I think, you know, just looking at it, you run the play. You run the play. Where do you get the information? I'm not saying don't be spontaneous. I'm not saying that at all. But once you learn what makes your spouse tick then you can get creative. But for us, it's just been established. These are things I need to feel this way. And so I do those mm -hmm. because you told me. Well, and you learn first. Okay. We have to establish this because this is kind of sitting in the back of my brain. It's bugging me. It is not your responsibility for how someone else feels. I cannot determine how what I'm doing is going to make you feel. I can do something with an intention to make you feel happy. I can do something with the intention to make you feel loved. I can do something with the intention to show you that I'm thinking about you. How you feel about what I've done, that's on you. Now, if I do something to hurt you or upset you, it's my responsibility to own that and acknowledge it but I'm not responsible for how you feel. You're responsible for your emotions, not me. However, that being said, the more we've learned about each other, the more we've come to understand when I do A, Quincy feels this. When Quincy does B, I feel this. It's something that we've learned. Take for example, there's people who love jewelry and expensive things for gifts. I'm not really a gift person. I like them, but I'm not really a person that's like, I want you to go spend five grand on me because I think you, I'm, I've done all this work. I deserve for you to spend this kind of money on me. That's, we could argue about that. Yeah, but the no, what I'm saying is for some people getting something really shiny and, and expensive would be a huge deal. For me, I got a hockey stick. Now, to some people, it's a freaking hockey stick. To me, that is a Jonathan Quick game-used, my favorite freaking player in the world, hockey stick. That right there shows me how much thought you put into something because I, I don't even care what the price tag on it was. That, that doesn't matter to me. What matters is you got something that you knew only meant something to me. That's what this is. It's understanding what what's important to your spouse and I'm not just talking about stuff. You found something that you knew. The kids don't care about it. They they wouldn't even care if it was up on the wall. It's not a big deal. I slept with the damn thing on the couch. I like my <laughs> stick. But it's the same for you. When when we go out and we buy, you know, coffee mugs with pictures on them, it's not just because it's a coffee mug. You like the memories. You like having the pictures in front of you. And you drink coffee regularly. Yeah. But it's also important to you to have those things in front of you. You like to go through the memories and have the conversations that come with the cup. It's small, subtle things that mean something to us. That's what you're looking for. What It's not just give me the playbook. These are things that after we got the playbook, 
Now you got to do your own homework. Now you got to start paying attention. Yeah. And and based on what you know from the instructions in the playbook, okay, I know X, Y, and Z. How can I elaborate X, Y, and Z? How can I make this a little bit more meaningful? What can I do? The pictures that we did with the calendars and the different things, the the um, the challenge that you did with taking a picture for 30 days and then making something out of it for your spouse. The, the idea is you're putting thought and effort into it. You're not just doing what you're told. Yeah. And I know that, I know that can be a worry is that you're just going through the motions. But I, the point that I'm kind of making is you can't establish your wife's needs on your own. No. You have to know you have to go to her and say, what do you need? And for some women, and even some guys, myself included, what do you need? I don't know. Yeah, I'm there right now. <laughs> it's like, what do you need? I don't know. Okay. So how do you get past that? How do you get past the, what do you need? I don't know. We asked a different question. Where's your heart? How's your heart? That answer right there will tell you all sorts of things. Because if... My heart is kind of troubled right now. Okay, why? This is a whole new conversation. That why in that conversation tells you, okay, so what I'm hearing is you're going through this. I think what I could do is this. Would that help you? Read that that's I think one of the biggest gifts that Rita gave us was we had to come up with a different question besides what do you need? We had to come up with I need you to talk. I need you to open up to me. And then based on what you're telling me, maybe I can fill in what you need. And it's simple suggestion, asking questions. We didn't know that coming into this. Had we known that, you know, what, what do you need to feel loved? I don't know. Okay, so when I do this, how do you feel? When I say this, how do you feel? You have to start with questions. You have to, especially if you've got an, I don't know. I'm notorious for, I don't know. <laughs> well, just looking at, at these, these questions, how do I make, and these are all valid, important questions. How do I make her feel valued, loved, and wanted? If those aren't top on her priority list for what's going to make her feel loved, or what is what is the what I'm what am I trying to say here? I say it as in Jeannie, one of Jeannie's things and her to make her feel um loved is to feel like a priority. I wouldn't have known that unless her and I had had a discussion and she always felt like she was on the back burner because she was putting everyone else before herself trying to fulfill everybody's needs but she was kind of like and if i'm wrong tell me you know where who's going to take care of me mm -hmm. how am i going to matter who's going to make me feel like a priority because in your life in order to feel like you matter you need to feel like you're a priority mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. so in this case is it mr listener is your wife's need to feel valued is her need to feel loved is her need to feel wanted and if those are her top three needs in order in order to make her feel like she her needs are being met then you're on the right track but if it's something else because in this, like for Jeannie and I and, and, and us being married, I want to love someone. And I also want to be loved. That's what this relationship is established on, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for me to establish what makes you feel loved, well, you want to be a priority. You want to matter. You want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And you want to have provision for your children. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that make you feel loved. 
And I want hockey games, but that's a totally different subject. <laughs> do you want them or do you need them? Yes, to both. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, ultimately, to, fit, to, to be fulfilled in this relationship are the top needs for her to feel valued by you, to feel loved by you, to feel wanted by you. I think it's important to establish that if you if those are going to meet her needs. Well, and you have to know what that looks like to her and what her expectation is of you in order for her to feel those things. Correct. So that's where that's where we are. We're starting with the relationship. I'm just going to write this down. Relationship. Maybe this should have gone first. Um um, and being fulfilled. I mean, you could say, I could tell you, I need to feel valued by you. What does that mean? Yeah, what makes you feel, let's just do it right now. You know, what? what is my expectation of you to make me feel valued? What is it that I, I need for you to do? I need to know that I am priority to you. I need to know that I'm important to you. That for me is the first hug and kiss. That for me is cuddle time when I sleep. That for me is when we go places, being touched or holding hands, something that gives me grounding and safety in a crowd. That for me is stepping in when my anxiety takes over. Those are the things that make me feel valued because you're taking the things that mean the most to me and you're making them a priority. And Simple. I, yeah, and it's not just going through the motions. It's not just saying it. It is me doing it and then, and then like reaffirming it with my words, mm -hmm. you know, that that's where it's at. But I still stand on as a couple, your words to one another should mean something. So what value do you place on it? And when it comes to when it comes to you and in our relationship and what I can do in order to create that feeling of being fulfilled, of feeling like you're ultimately loved, you laid it out. This is what makes me feel that way. And that's a discussion that the both of you have to have. And you may not have the answers to. And understand, if if you have a past where your words have fallen flat and you haven't come through on your word, your words are not yet going to hold a lot of weight. Your actions will hold far more than your words until you establish that your words and your actions go together, that they're solidified. If there's a, a past hurt or a, a reason to not trust that your words are that they mean what you've said, that there's enough weight behind them to say, when Quincy tells me, you know, um, I'm going to do this, I don't question you're going to do it. Okay, he's going to do it because I've learned what you say is what you do. If, if you're past, you've said you're going to do something and you've fallen flat more than once and it's like a repeated pattern in understand that it's going to take a while for your spouse to rebuild that trust. But you have to own the fact that you created that. Now you have to uncreate it and establish new. That's not going to happen right away. That's something that's going to have to be done again and again and again. And it's going to get frustrating, but you cannot hold someone and say, well, at some point you have to just accept they do. You're right. But they're not going to do it on your time frame. They're going to do it on their own time frame. And you need to be willing to accept doing something for a week doesn't mean that I'm just going to automatically assume that your word is your bond. Of course. Of course. I think, though, just from where I stand, I, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with it. The acknowledgement piece, though, that's like, I see, I see you. I see that you're trying. I'm still struggling with trusting you because of these reasons. But once you get 
once there is a level of consistency there, I don't even know what timeline to put it on, but we're talking about a couple months, three, four months, five months. It is it is time for that acknowledgement to turn into something that's a little bit greater, which is rolling back, rolling back the hesitancy to trust and allowing that trust to build. And I think it will. I, I honestly do. I'm just saying we've we've had a few emails and a few people who have said, well, I've tried this and I've done this and it's been a week and nothing's happened. And it's like, okay, this is not a quick fix. This is something, I mean, Quincy and I went through these exact same conversations repeatedly mm-hmm. for months. Okay. We we're we've established that these things help you feel loved and valued. And we'll sit down and have our coffee talk as we call them. And then, you know, is this still working? Mm-hmm. Am, am I still meeting your need with this? Or is there maybe something new or something more I could do? Because you don't want to get into the feeling of you're just doing something out of repetition because this is what worked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where having those talks comes comes in and helps you. Mm-hmm. When you like establish once a week, early on in the beginning, get this once a week thing and hold to it. You're not going to have to air your grievances or the dirty laundry every single week no we had weeks where it was just you know what we did really good this week we went out we had a really good date you know this this and this was happening and we didn't argue about it we we had a really good conversation we resolved this issue it changes as you start talking more and going through things the conversations change they're not all about we got to fix this that's yeah and eventually you it evolves and you don't only want to have these conversations when tempers and flares are erupting in the moment Mm-mm. you know <laughs> i'm i'm of the frame of mind that when somebody's talking i'm gonna listen i'm gonna let you get all of the air out of the balloon just let it all out and once you're done i'm gonna kind of surmise you know summarize if you will what you're saying to me and it's like, okay, so this is what you're saying to me. Is this is this right? And sometimes it's yes, and sometimes it's no. And it's like, okay, well, let's try again. And that's another thing that you can, if you have to break it all the way down to the basics, it's, okay, honey, you said you feel like um, when I make you a priority, it makes you feel loved. It makes you feel appreciated. It makes you feel like you matter. So... I'm coming home, I'm kissing you, sometimes I grab you around, you know, I grab you from behind and put my arms around you, kiss you on your neck, squeeze you, give you a chance to, you know, just to breathe and let go. Is that is that still speaking to your heart? How are you? How Are you still looking forward to that? Does it still matter? Hmm. Or what can I do, what can I do to make you feel this way or to help you feel this way i'm just a firm believer the answers need to come from your spouse Mm -hmm. and then because you love that human being you can come up with creative ways or you can come up with routines on how that plays out and be spontaneous be spontaneous from time to time that's worked for us. I do those things because I know they make you feel like you're valuable. When we used to argue all the time about who's going to arrange babysitting. <laughs> it was so stupid. I should have just done it. But I thought you should have done it. You know, you have the relationships with the babysitters. But at the same token, it's like I'm already I'm already going through all these things. And then you say we want to go on a date and then the babysitting falls through and I'm crushed. So now it's like, okay, well, let me try to arrange that first. And then tell you, tell me we're going going on a date because then I miss, I don't get the disappointment. Yeah. That, that used to be really hard for me because if he would call me and say, I want to take you on a date tonight. Sweet. I get time with Quincy. I get away from the kids. I get to dress up a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm in sweats nine times out of ten or jeans and a t-shirt around the house. So getting to go out means I actually get to put on makeup and look like a human. And I'm going to get just you 
for a few hours. And I would call and call and call and could not get a babysitter. And then I'm crushed because I don't have a babysitter. We can't go have our date night. I don't get to go out and spend time with you. And we're just going to sit here and have family night and watch TV, which I love our kids, but I need our time. Yeah. And then once it was established that that's how it felt to me is it just crushes me because I want that time so badly. I need date night. Date night is an absolute for me. I need it. So I had to make an adjustment and that's based on I can do A, B, and C and it makes you feel Mm -hmm. a certain way. And that is fulfilling to you and your relationship and our relationship. And if you didn't find a babysitter, then he didn't tell me we were going on a date. I wasn't crushed and yeah. didn't feel like crap because then ultimately it just makes you feel like crap because you hurt me without intending to hurt me. Yeah, exactly. So that's those three pieces. Then we talked about um, not, you know, her feeling these ways like authentically or, or her feeling these ways, not just because you said it. I'm a firm believer that the words you say are just as important as the actions you mm-hmm. take. They are equally important. I'm a, a pretty mushy and emotional guy. So I say things in the moment because I mean them. And those I convey those things with emotion, good or bad. <laughs> so I, I just want to know, you know, it's like, why don't you feel like your words have value or enough value to make an impact? And is it... Maybe they do, and you're just being too hard on yourself. True. Maybe this means so much to you that you are you're trying so hard that you're not taking a step back and saying, "Okay, I can appreciate how hard I'm working." And like I've said before, you know, th- it took Jeannie and I a decade to make this kind of progress. So don't hold yourself to a standard that is so high that you can't possibly reach it in a month or a year, you know, doing a decade's worth of work in a year. That's not feasible. There's another heart on the other side of your actions that's got, that's wounded, that has issues going on. They don't always have to do with just you. We as human beings, we all got our own crap going on, not to mention what's going on with our spouse. So take a step back and look, just check your heart, make sure your motivation and your intentions are pure. And then you can take some confidence along the way with you to say, I am working hard. I will continue to do that. Use me and Jeannie as a sounding board and then continue to have these conversations and develop your relationship as a whole, because this thing, it needs to evolve. It's incredibly important. It needs to evolve. Um, the last thing is, how do I make her feel confidently that we are best friends? I guess there's one more piece after that. I think there's a lot of nuance to that. Because Jeannie and I, our relationship started out, we started out as really good friends. Mm-hmm. And then after we got married, our friendship got screwed up somehow. I don't even know how it got screwed up. We started having to take care of other things besides each other. And so it got it got screwed up. It got it was to a point there where we were married but we weren't friends. And then some, you know, through the process of reestablishing our relationship, like redefining what it is, we figured out what kind of initially brought us together is that we were you speak for yourself. I, I just dig this chick, what she's into, her personality, her her rebel pride, whatever that is. Those are things that we had common connection on. And I, you know, just the, the level at which I love this person and want to be around her, we had to, re, after we repaired, would you say this, after we repaired our relationship, we started to become friends again, or how, what would you say there? We went back to doing what we enjoyed doing with each other. We went back to the basics. We went back to, we both love DC comics and superhero movies and cheesy comedy. So 
we started spending time watching those movies together. We found things that we were both interested in and we started doing those things again. Because when, when we had kids and, and we had them so close together, we stopped doing stuff together. I mean, even church became a routine. It wasn't something that I enjoyed going to anymore because it was just a routine. It was just something that we did on a Sunday. But it was something that we did together on a Sunday. And when we were dating, a lot of what we did was around the youth group and the friends that we had there. Um, but after we started having kids, everything just became mundane. We weren't really trying to do things together. We were just trying to survive things together. And I think also we were kind of caught up in other people's opinion about how our marriage should well, be. Well, yeah, our marriage, how we should raise our kids, the issues that our kids had. Plus, um, we both went through a pretty harsh level of depression because of what we were dealing with with the kids and learning. Um, we were just surrounded by a lot of negative. Yeah. And it took us finally coming to grips with we're going to do what we do. And since I don't usually follow what everybody else does, I it's never really set well with me. That would be the little rebel side of me, I guess, that you like so much. We just kind of decided screw what everybody else thought and what they were telling us. And we started doing our own thing again. And it became like, even now we're more about ourselves and our family than anything else. It's not that I don't like having friends and, and doing things with friends. I just prefer my family. Mm-hmm. We prefer spending time with the kids and experiencing things with them. I want to see their reaction to things. That's what you and I did. We like to experience things together. So we went back to that. We went back to sports. We went back to, um, you know, going out and trying new places to, to eat. We went back to going to new locations for weekend getaways. Making memories. Making memories, taking pictures. That's what was always important to us was experiencing things. And when we were first married and we had so much crap going on and all the medical issues, that's all we were experiencing. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. We didn't know how. I'm sure in hindsight, had we learned back then, dude, have a date night in your room, put the kids in, get a babysitter for a few hours. If, if we could have figured this stuff out back then, God, what a fire pit would have done years ago. Yeah. But we didn't know. Nobody helped us with that. It was always about the kids. Everyone around us, it's always about the kids. Everyone else's marriage, you you do what you do for the kids. But there wasn't really much do for your spouse, uh-huh. do for your marriage. That didn't come until years later. It was like everybody that, that we had influencing us was about their children or a ministry or a program or some kind of activist thing for autism. I mean, all these different things, which none of them are bad, but none of them got to the root of how do I fix my marriage? Yeah. How, how do I get to my best friend again and just go hang out and be me? That's the difference. That was the biggest difference is when we, we went to San Diego. San Diego was the big one. Yep. But we made date night and weekends a priority. And mm-hmm. that was where we started picking up on our friendship again. Because when we're away from the kids, as much as we love them and we love spending time with them, I am a totally different me when it's just you and me. Not that I'm a different person. I'm just more free. I don't have a responsibility. I don't have people waking me up in the middle of the night playing a harmonica. I, you know, I just... I get to just go and be with you and just be. Mm-hmm. There's no loud voices in my head telling me, okay, you got to go do the dishes. You got to get dinner ready. You got to get this person to practice. You got to get this person to a workout. You got to go make sure that this is done. You got to make, I don't have any of that. It's 72 hours of just, hi, honey. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? For all we care, we could just go to a hotel and lounge around and watch their Netflix for a weekend. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's reestablishing just being us and experiencing things as us. That's yeah. where the friendship is. 
And I and really just listening to you talk and in thinking about us it's important to go back and look at why did I even start this relationship? What was there? And what's gotten in the way? Brown dress. <laughs> I'm, were, I'm joking. I'm joking. Hey, you weren't in a brown dress the first night, but gosh, you're so sexy. I'm um, just teasing. I'm just teasing. Tease me, baby. Um, but it's like, why did we, why did we get into this thing anyway? And then you look at that and say, wow, we really used to like each other. That was a big deal. Mm-hmm. We, we, we've always loved each other. We haven't always liked each other. And some of that I'll say, you know, was a byproduct. Uh, I don't want to say trauma. It was just a byproduct of adversity. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go, you get to the point like, it doesn't always have to be to the negative, but you say, who else in the world can relate to where I am in my life, who can relate to what I've been through? Who cares about me? Who can I just be myself around and not have to worry and share the deep parts of my life, the shallow parts, the humor, you know, the hurt, all those things? Who can I do that with? And I think it's a byproduct of you working on your relationship your friendship begins to like rise back up to the surface and become more noticeable because what wouldn't you do for your friend? Mm-hmm. You know, what wouldn't you do for, uh, you know, for one of your best friends and coming to the understanding of, wait, like you said, going back to what made us us. And now let's do that again. I mean, when we first dated, our idea of dating was to sit on the couch and watch Braveheart. That's what we did. Yeah, just to be near each other. That's it. That's all we cared about. And other people would come and go, and it wasn't a big deal. We just we just wanted to be together. Mm-hmm. And then as it grew, it was, let's go places. Let's go to a show. We go to Vegas. Vegas is a big place for us. We go with the intent to go, let's go see this new show. It's the martial arts, acrobatic, something or other. Let's go see it. And then when it's done, we spend the whole next day talking about all the things that we thought were really cool or the kids would like this or maybe we should make a family plan. It's just going and being together and there's no expectation in it. Yeah, that and that's, you know, what I'm looking at, how do I make her feel confidently that we are best friends, I believe the beginning of that is establishing these things we're talking about. What makes you feel valued? What makes you feel loved? What makes you feel wanted? What made you fall in love with her? Exactly. Go back. What made you fall in love with her? What made her fall in love with you? What were you doing? What were the interests? What were your goals? What were your dreams? What are they now? Mm Mm-hmm. You might need to have a conversation and reestablish that. We did. Oh, my gosh. Tony and Alyssa's thing blew us through the roof because we both went, God, what, what is our dream? Yep. We, we haven't dreamed in a long time. Yep. What do we want to do? Where, where do we want to go? How, how do we see this thing playing out in the next 10 years? Yep. We hadn't given that any thought. That was one of those moments where we both just went, Damn. I thought we were doing really good, and then we missed this one simple question, and it stumped both of us. But then it also opened us up to, what do we want to do? Yeah. Where do we want to go? And now here we are a couple years later going, hey, we're doing it. Correct. It's You just have to reestablish, why did you fall in love? Why did you choose this relationship? Why did you choose her? Why did she choose you? Now, where are you? Yeah. Where do you want to be? What when I was counseling people, like pre-marriage counseling, I'm not a counselor. But when I'm talking, you know, some of the some of the philosophies that you are a pastor, so you need to establish the pre-marriage counseling is because he is the pastor who's officiating the wedding. Yeah, <laughs> ordained minister at least for a little while longer. Um, but just looking at, you know, when I started, things started transforming between. 
Jeannie and I, I had to have some conversations with myself. So I encourage you to do the same. And let it wrap around this. When you are with your buddies, and, you know, guys are different. If you get pissed off enough, you can just go to blows, dust yourself off, and then you're friends again. But if your best buddy does something to really just irritate the fire out of you, how quickly can you forgive your best friend? Can you do that with your spouse? Or is there like some other unattainable expectation? Can you be really slow to get angry? And can you be really fast to forgive? And can you practice that? Now with anything, that can be abused. So I don't encourage you to abuse that. It's like it's like the, the sex thing with Jeannie and I. She knows... I know and she knows that if it's like, hey, babe, honey bun, I I need you tonight. I don't take advantage of that. No, because you understand what it means to me. Correct. I don't. That is sacred to us in our relationship. If, if I've had just a garbage day or a garbage week, it's like, I, I need you. And this is what I need. Can I sign up for this? <laughs> and she's like, well, we can sign up for this and maybe later... We can sign up for that. I'm like, hey, I like compromise. It's a win-win-win. But it's like, I don't take advantage of that crap because I love you and respect you too much to do that. And you have to hold yourself to that same standard, speaking to you, the audience, not just you, the listener that wrote us this email, and understand that you know when you carry these things out, ensure your motivation and your intentions are pure. And that you're doing them for these particular reasons. And that, just to kind of, I know we talked a lot about it, but I believe that is what will reestablish your friendship. That's what brings it back. If you have to in the beginning of this, because you're just now coming to a place where you want to work through things and you're both on the same page with this, I would say when you do something... And if she questions the intention behind it, I'm not saying defend yourself, but like Quincy said, I I was doing this. Remember I said before in previous um, episodes, he would come home and he would start doing the dishes or he would start running a load of laundry. And I took it as I was not enough because I didn't get my list of things to do done today. And he came home and felt like he had to pick up the slack. That wasn't his intention. That was how I took things. Having him explain his intention and say, no, honey, I saw that you were overwhelmed and I thought if I could do these things for you, maybe this would be a help to you. If that's not the case, Mm -hmm. I apologize. That wasn't what I meant. How can I help you so that you're not overwhelmed? What can I do that will make you feel this or that? If you're doing it with the right intention and it's coming across the wrong way explain what your reasoning is for doing what you're doing and then ask if this isn't what you wanted can I ask you what it is that you do want what can I do I'm trying to do something for you and I'm trying to do it out of what I see can you tell me what I can do so that we don't have this miscommunication and that you don't feel like I'm doing this to hurt you or that I'm I'm playing into your insecurity that's not my intention I know it sounds like you're trying to explain away so that you're not being attacked for something. That's not what I'm, I'm asking you to do. You're going to come at this from a place of honest vulnerability. You're doing this with the intention to do something for your spouse. Mm-hmm. If they don't see it that way, you need to find out why. Yeah. And then you need to find out what can I do? How do I, how do I approach this so that I'm doing what you need me to do so that I can feel because Honestly, that's your need too. If you think about it, you need to do something for your spouse because you're wanting to do it so badly that you're just grasping at things to do. Explain that. I need to feel like I'm doing something for you. I need to feel like I'm helping you. It's important to me. What can I do so I'm not overstepping something for you or I'm not hurting you with an an ill intent? I just need to do that this is something i need yeah it's it's kind of a a double-edged sword 
when you're first navigating through it, but it's the truth. Quincy's need is to do things for me because he needs to know that I feel loved and prioritized and that I feel like I'm taken care of because it's part of you to fix. That's your fix is making sure that I'm taken care of. Well, I love, I love loving you. But you're doing it without having to fix all my problems. You're, you're fixing yeah. it is by making me a priority. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I understand where this guy's coming from. I understand um, their situation is a little different because it's new. And they're, they both come to the place where we want to make things different. We're just not sure how mm-hmm. to make things different. And they're both in a different place. So I understand this. What I'm trying to say is I, I know that you're doing these things out of a good intention maybe there's still a conversation that needs to happen there because you need to do something for her. It's, it's a part of you. It's clear in his emails. He needs to be helpful. He needs to do things for her. He has a servant's heart when it comes to his wife. You need to make sure that she knows that. Yeah. And that this, this is a need for you is to serve. Now on the flip side of that, it needs to be established and not abused. Because people can take a servant's heart and they can abuse it. I'm not saying she will, but I'm just saying that that needs to be an established agreement between a couple. I get where he's coming from, and I hope that this is helpful. Um, I don't I don't know that my piece is going to be what he's looking for, but I hope that it is. Well, we're trying. And, you know, he he will and and the other listeners, they'll they'll get if they're going through something like this, they'll they'll email us so that they get, you know, we can get closer to the mark and if there are examples um that come back then we can kind of talk through those one of the simplest one of the most simple examples i can give is one of genie's top prior you know top love languages is uh, quality time and my i was given her quality time in the way i thought it was best suited because it's what i would have wanted i was getting her out of the house and i was taking her to the movies I'm sure it was good the first few times, but what she really desired was quality time, which was sitting, talking, communicating, and having being, a meal I didn't have to cook, <laughs> and being with me. Mm-hmm. Not going. I mean, she was desperate for adult conversation because of all the kids and what she was going through with that, and. I finally realized at one point, and she was kind enough to tell me, and it probably wasn't in the nicest way. I don't really recall. Um, but we established that, hey, you're doing this based on what it would what would work for you. I mean, I worked all day, and it was fine for me to get you out of the house and go to the movies and movies sit there and Movies were a great out. escape. You don't, there's no responsibility. There's no conversation. There's nobody who needs anything. You just lose yourself for two hours and... You know, reality waits. Yeah. But in, but at, when it was all said and done, and it was like, you know, I actually love the idea that she wants to spend time and communicate with me. We established that we, you know, we, then we knew how to go to the clouds. We knew how to dream. Well, that's how, that's honestly how we learned that we didn't know how to talk without talking about the kids. Yeah. And then it was all of a sudden, Rita says, here's your homework. Go have a date night and don't discuss the kids, bills, or the family. And we both went, oh, crap, what do we talk about? We And it, it took us a while, but that's where our quality time comes in now is, okay, all the business is out in the first hour or two, and now the rest of the time is just us. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know that we lost that. That was part of our friendship that we lost. Mm-hmm. And we Correct. Had, we had to find it. And then what about those times you set aside just to talk about what is going right in your marriage, what you do appreciate, what you enjoy? Remember that thing you did? (laughs) (laughs) I'll go down there and do it again. (laughs) What about those? When's the last time we did that? We just talked about what we're loving about our relationship. It's been too long, honey. Yeah. Been a long time since we had a long drive, just you and I, too. True. Because life gets in the freaking way. We got things happening over here, you know. <laughs> so um, when I look over 
at the time on this episode, I'm probably just going to empty my bladder all over myself because it's going to be a bad one. Sorry, Ashley. No, she just got to plug stuff on either side. I think we're going to be fine there. It's the listener. I hope you've endured to the end. Um, And really, we really want this to be a value to you. And I hope that we've been able to help you. If this sucks, email me and let me know. I'm willing to take another swing at it. I, you're laughing over there or whatever that was, but I'm I'm telling the truth. We're doing this because I just had a desire to pay this I just forward. was thinking I know one or two people that listen to it that would love nothing more than to send us an email and go, you suck! Just, you suck! just for fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that's, that's it here. Um, I think we probably said everything about this that we're going to say, but we'll talk about that off the mic. And uh, until next time, Jeannie Moran, Quincy Moran, this is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. <laughs>